After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And, in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And, of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. In recent years, British comedy has enjoyed a renaissance thanks to the re-emergence of sitcoms and panel shows. Miles Jupp has been one of the key players in this minor revolution, first appearing as reader Nigel in the cult BBC2 sitcom Rev, alongside Tom Hollander and Olivia Coleman, before replacing Sandy Toxvig as the chairman of Radio 4's News Quiz. I was lucky enough to meet up with him ahead of his one-man show, Songs of Freedom, at the Medina Theatre, Isle of Wight, where we talk comedy, presenting and DIY. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Miles Jupp. Right, so you played the inventor Archie in the hit BBC children's TV series Balamori. Um, yes. And how different is children's television to working on something like a sitcom? Well, in terms of how it's done, it's the same techniques are used. The you know the way scripts and rewrites and all the technical terms are the same. You know, in terms of that's how I learned what things. What different things meant, like two shots and one shots and singles and cutaways and pickups and these language I didn't know when I started doing Balamori. So it would have been the same sort of technical language used on uh, Rev um, twelve years, ten years later, however many years it was, um, and so that kind of thing. And the atmosphere is slightly different, obviously, because the sitcom you're maybe recording half an hour's episode on six costs six days, five or six days if it's a single camera one. And in Balamori, we were shooting eight episodes a week, so that was much more sort of frenzied and possibly more mistakes make it to air in that, in that environment. Uh, so growing up, um, who were your comedy heroes? Did anyone sort of make you think, oh, I want, I want to be like that? When, when I, was, I suppose it was listening to comedy in the car, so we'd have cassettes of Max Boyce, uh, we used to listen to a lot. There was a cassette tape given away with Select magazine sometime in the early 90s, and it had on its had uh, Arnold Brown and Bill Hicks and Larry Miller. Uh, a lot of comics you talked to them, like, oh, I remember that tape. And it was just, we'd listen to it over and over again. And I suppose there was just generally, it felt like there was less stuff then. So if that was one of the tapes you listened to in the car, you would listen to it over and over again. And the other word, Tom Lira, uh, we used to listen to a lot. And then as I was a sort of teenager you know there were about it seemed to me they were like about six favorite comics famous comics and so it would be lee evans and joe brand and jack d and eddie is on they were the sort of people alan davies people that you could buy a vhs of and we'd all watch it together at school so you took over from sandy Toxvig as presenter of radio 4's news quiz in 2015 um, is presenting more difficult for you than doing comedy? Well, you've got sort of pastoral responsibilities, I suppose. You're the sort of top and tailor. A bit of it's sort of administrative. I mean, I pr- in the day, you're writing jokes and reading stories and trying to think like a comic. And then when you go out there, you know, it's me in the middle and then people who decided me and suddenly you think, oh, I've got to be in charge of the pace of it and I've got the timings and keep an eye on the clock. And I mean, points, as in all panel shows, are completely irrelevant, but you've got to at least read them out and that sort of stuff. So I suppose it's an admin thing and a control thing as well. I'm trying to make sure that everybody gets a go, which 
doesn't happen on all <laughs> on all shows. You're currently on this nationwide tour. Yeah. Is it? It's called the Songs, Songs of, of Freedom. Freedom. It's called. Yeah. That's just a silly title. Yeah. I so mean, a little bit of a snapshot about what you talk about. Well, I talk about. I mean, it, a lot of it's about how needlessly cross I get about things that don't really matter. Hi guys. <laughs> uh, about sort of aspects of identity and about. How hard I find it to lose stuff. I'm quite sort of pedantic. Uh, and briefly talks about my semi-disastrous ten, um, tenure as the restaurant reviewer for a, ma- <laughs> for a magazine in, in London as well. I mean, it's all just sorts of random shit. Random shit. Yeah. Um, so, your laugh, in what ways do you think it's benefited the audience's ability to ability to engage with your work uh i suppose in a way you know as a comedian or or actor you can get a little bit sort of bracketed i suppose in different areas and people think oh that's all they do for me in a way being on a program and sort of laughing at the other people on it it's an element of that where you think well, i imagine it appears this man is capable of enjoying all these things so he can't just be in the sort of tiny box that we sometimes put him in but also that is that's a sort of there's an element of things where I remember watching when I was younger a panel show and it was sort of all right. But the people on it appeared to be really enjoying themselves and I thought, that is solid professionalism for these people. They're making it look as if everyone's enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I suspect there might be. So there's an element of good manners about laughing all the time. Yeah. But the other aspect of it is I am, you know, I am enjoying it. And I, you know, I, I, you put the hours in and stuff, but once... I think if you're on a show and everyone's just looking at their notes and not listening to each other, then it's not going to have a kind of... Yeah. It won't meld, you know. And I, if you sit next to Paul Merton, I mean, that's just... I think you should take the opportunity to enjoy that as well as think about what you're going to say because, you know, that's you're sitting next to one of the funniest people ever being, you know, relentlessly funny. So, my, yeah, it is... I think, yeah, I suppose I allow myself to enjoy it. Yeah. And I think you've got to listen to each other as well. It's... Hopefully it shows that I'm listening as well. Yeah. Maybe it just makes me look, sort of, you know, mad or over generous. <laughs> um, one of your biggest breaks came from when you were cast as Reed and Nigel in the BBC Two hit comedy Rev. Um, in an age where British sitcom is arguably in decline, how important mm. do you think that that show was in determining an appetite for the genre for the public? Well, I suppose there was a there was an appetite for that, and it was not obvious. It's not a mainstream thing. It's quite subtle. It had bits of yeah. There was some out and out. There was some broad comedy in it, but sort of fairly nuanced. And obviously, it had stuff that was just touching or uh, cute. And I suppose that there is there's actually just such a wide range of stuff now that you sort of hope there should be something for for everyone, really. And I kind of feel the fact that you could do a show like that which wasn't all shiny floor and here we are and laughter meant you can you can still do a show like that but then the other thing is people that do a studio sitcom in which everyone screams and laughs all the time go you see you can oh, thank you there's still an appetite for that as well so i think i don't know it's one of these things people go back and look at the i don't know it's hard it's hard in and of the moment to know if something's on the rise or on the decline really it's a sort of we need to sort of leave it to the social historians of 15 years' time or whatever. I mean, I yeah. can't, it's something I'm completely capable of being <laughs> objective about. Okay, so um, you also played John Duggan in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, how much of that show relied solely on improv? Uh, it's a lot less improvised than it looks. It has this reputation of being completely improvised, but it's not. It's one of the 
you know, it's it's very heavily and very well written. There's a big writing team on it. People take over scripts at different stages for drafts. You go in, you read a script, and they say, put the script away, let's act some of that out. The stuff that's really amazing sort of has already gone in on first reading in a way. Yeah. Uh, and then you might come up with a few more bits when you rehearse, you know, you rehearse loosely, and then there's another draft, and so more stuff goes in. So it's it'll be redrafted a lot while you're doing it, and then it's actually about the sort of free-flowingness of it. It's not really until about take five that they go, okay, let's get this a lot looser, by which time they've got a bolted-down version of everything that's written anyway, and a lot of the improvised stuff, Armando said to me, it's really, a lot of that is actually for the reactions. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's what it's the the stuff that people improvise doesn't necessarily make it in, but the way people respond to improvisations does because that's so so in the moment. Okay. Um, but no, it's very. I mean, the writers on that show are phenomenal. TV panel shows appear on things like Have I Got News for You and Would I Lie to You, and although although you and everyone who appears on them makes it look really easy. How much of your own preparation goes into making those kind of shows? Well, quite a lot, depending on what it is. Something like Mock the Week, you get a lot of advanced notice of the sort of things you're going to be discussing. So, the last few times I've done that, it's been quite chatty, though, and I think I'm perhaps over-prepared. Um, something like Have I Got News For You, you see very little of it before it happens. So, in a way, um, there's, there's only so much time you can have to do any preparation would i lie to you? you you have a chat with someone for an hour weeks in advance so and then you don't know which of the things that you've told them are going to come up or not so you if you take an envelope out and you read out what's on it even if it is a tr- truth you think god i can't even remember telling them this if it's a lie or whatever you're reading these things yeah. it's someone else is rendering something you've said so and that, and that is a really fun one actually would i lie to you because you are just you're just larking about yeah so, uh, what's next for Miles Jump? Next Miles Jump? Well, I'm about to go on stage at the Medina Theatre, the Isle of Wight. Uh, but generally I'm writing a book that I need to finish by Christmas, which is a childhood memoir of, not my childhood, of Damien Trench, this sort of um, cookery writer character. I did a radio and telly series of, uh, and that was part of a three-book deal, so I've got to do quite a lot of writing for that in the next three years. And then I've got a few acting things coming up, a small part thing called Quacks that was written by the guy that wrote Rev. Um, some other stuff next year that I will believe when it actually happens. There's more <laughs> tour dates. Um, just trying to keep on, really. We're doing up our kitchen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Most importantly. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks very much for your time. No, not at all. Thank A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.